Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. Hey, it's Colin here. I want to tell you about something brand new from our friends over at the On Poly team. It's the On Poly newsletter, and you can get it in your inbox twice a week. It's a newsletter brought to you by the people who make the On Poly podcast, which is hosted by my buds, John Michael McGrath and Steve Pakin. If you haven't listened to On Poly yet, you really should. You've never heard Ontario politics being discussed this way before. And now you can get behind the scenes of the podcast with their brand new On Poly newsletter. Subscribe now. Go to tvo.org slash newsletter and subscribe today. Hi, I'm Colin Ellis, and this is On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. It's our second season. We are back. If you're new to the show, welcome. You can expect in-depth conversations with documentary filmmakers about the stories they choose to tell, how they do it, and why. We've talked to directors about their films on the rise of white supremacist movements, climate change, and what democracy looks like today. This season, we'll explore more fascinating films, including the one we're featuring today, Nipus Tamasuin. We will stand up. If you were following the news in Canada early last year, you definitely heard these two names. Colton Bushy, a 22-year-old man from Red Pheasant First Nation, and Gerald Stanley, the white Saskatchewan farmer who shot and killed him when Bushy and a group of friends entered his property one August afternoon in 2016. There was a trial in 2018 to determine whether Stanley was guilty of second-degree murder. It polarized the province of Saskatchewan and much of the country. Rural prairie farm communities argued Stanley's actions were about property rights. Indigenous advocates pointed out how harshly the RCMP treated Bushy's family in the days after the killing and protested the all-white jury chosen for the trial. And then there was the verdict. On February 9th, 2018, Stanley was acquitted of all charges. There was no justice served here today. We hoped for justice for Colton. However, we did not see it. We will fight for an appeal and answers to all the racism that my family has experienced from the day that Colton was shot until the jury delivered the verdict of not guilty. That's Bushi's cousin, Jay Tutusis, outside the courtroom minutes after the trial ended. The family's experience of the justice system was documented by filmmaker Tasha Hubbard. Like so many Indigenous people, you know, across the country, was so affected by the news and the circumstances surrounding Colton's passing. And what happened, you know, through the process of colonization is still reverberating into today and that that contributed to what happened. Hubbard had figured that the doc would end with the verdict. The acquittal had come as a complete surprise. It was clear that the family's fight for justice was far from over. The story Hubbard did tell is called Nipus Tamasuin, We Will Stand Up. It's the story of the Bushi family's experience from an indigenous perspective. It had the honor of being the opening night film at Hot Docs in Toronto in April, where it won the Best Canadian Feature Documentary Award. We were honored to have both Jay Tutusis and Tasha Hubbard join us at TVO to talk about this film, Canada's legal system, and their fight to change it. Well, Tasha Jade, thank you so much for joining me today. Mm-hmm. Um, Tasha, I'm going to start with you. Uh, maybe you could just tell us where the film's title came from. 
So I uh, was asked to do a workshop at Imaginative Film Festival um, this past year, um, my producer and I, to talk about, you know, making films like this where so much care is needed. And that means both care for the people in the film, but also care for the filmmakers and the crew, you know, when, when there's um, difficult subject matter. So... Uh, my friend's dad was in the audience and was listening to what I was talking about, and we showed a couple of clips from the film. And he came up to me after, and he that he said that word. He said "nipustamasuin," and I'm like, "What does that mean?" And <laughs> he said it means when a small group of people stand up on behalf of another group, of a larger group. So when we stand up for ourselves, that's that's what it means. And I'd been looking for the title of the film, and I just, as soon as he said that, I'm like, that's it. That's the title. The film actually starts, uh, interestingly, with uh, two boys who are your son and your nephew. Um, and it looks like they're starting to ask questions about the world around them. And I'm just wondering why you chose to start the film that way. Well, that scene was actually just a test scene. We just, we were like, it's it's a nice night. You know, the crew had just gotten to town. And we're like, let's go up and see what happens. And, um, you know, all I said to the boys is, we're, I'm going to take you to a place that, that I've gone over the years. And and um, we're just going to go do some filming. And so um, I had wanted to incorporate footage of, of the boys and myself, like on our own territory. Uh, and especially with the boys being safe in their own territory, right? Because that, that's ultimately what we want. And... Um, I wasn't expecting my son to ask that question. Like, what do you think it would have been like? And I know when it happened, I quickly looked at the crew, like, are, are we rolling? Like, <laughs> did you guys get that? And they're like, yeah, we got it. And so then when we started to edit, I just thought like, you know, even though we weren't technically trespassing, we had we had permission to be there. It looks like we are. We're climbing through a barbed wire fence, like these fences that have been placed all throughout our territory, laying down private property, you know, without Indigenous people having the treaties honoured in the way they're meant to be. Um, and then for him to ask that question, I just thought this, this, is, this will open this up because it's about all the things that we want the film to be about, justice, our land, you know, and our children. And did that also um, inspire you to include your own story in the film as well? Uh, I had already decided early on to, to do that, mm. to, to um, use my own positionality and to be open about it. You know, I think all documentary filmmakers bring their experience and their position mm -hmm. and sometimes their privilege, right, into the films that they do. And um, for me, I, I I wanted to use my own position as a Cree person who's connected to the area where this happened, but also as someone who was adopted and grew up with a farm family. And so be able to have these conversations around guns, around land, you know, that, that um, just allowed us to open it up. Hmm. Uh, Jade, the trial was really covered um, pretty heavily by the media, and you were often a voice who spoke for the family. Um, how did that role come about? Um... It came about more so when uh, I was sitting with my cook at my grandmother out in Red Pheasant and a reporter had come out and wanted to know more about Colton. And usually within my kinship, my role in my family is not to speak before my cook but to listen to what she has to say to get direction and, and wisdom from her. So she spoke before me and she, she shared her 
her feelings upon my late brother. And after she spoke, she looked to me. So that was my my cue to be able to also share how I was feeling and just just the individual that I knew. And as I spoke, um, I started talking about colonization and a bit more upon the history in a way that my, my Kokum had never heard me speak before. So as soon as the, the reporter stepped away, she turned and looked at me and she's like, from now on, you're going to talk. <laughs> you know, from now on, you're going to talk. And just that that push, that confidence that she saw within me, it it it, it, it pushed me to, to be a voice and with the permission and the support of my family as well and making sure that when I do speak, it, it encompasses not just myself, but my entire family in a good way. And so we're always talking amongst one another as to how we feel about things and just what we would like to share and the messages we'd like to deliver. So it's just with their support, it's, I'm able to, to do this. And uh, how did you personally feel about taking on that role? Um, at first I was very, well, I still am nervous at times, but I feel that if this is something that I'm able to do to honor my, my brother and if it's something that I can contribute to the changes that are necessary and needed, then it's it's what I can do. And so, once again, just with the support of other other people and their guidance and direction, I'm able to to sit here and, and talk with you today and answer your questions. And, mm-hmm. and um, I guess, how did this collaboration come about? Well, I was really, like so many Indigenous people, you know, across the country was so affected by the news and the circumstances surrounding Colton's passing. And and so I had started, in my role as an academic, had started to think about writing a blog about, you know, our, the history of the area and how, the, you know, the, the, what happened, you know, through the process of colonization is still reverberating into today and that that contributed to what happened. And... Um, my birth father uh, is married into Colton's family, although I didn't know the family very well. Before, you know, I didn't know Colton. Um, and I also knew Jade. Jade is uh, married to my cousin. <laughs> so I've, I've known her since she was a teenager. And, um, you know, I, I just thought I need to contribute and say something. And But then it, my dad and, and his partner um, encouraged me to think about making a film. Um you know, because, uh, you know, most of us realize within our own community that, you know, when these stories happen, uh, the mainstream media often follows tracks that are already laid down around how they write about Indigenous people. Hmm. And um, a lot of times some of this, you know, the subtlety and the the humanity and the, you know, the story of the person affected doesn't get told. And, um you know, so I just started into conversations with with Jade and the rest of the family, um, and they agreed. You know that uh, that we would make a film, and at that time I didn't know what format that would take. You know, but uh, we just started filming as things started happening. Did you know? I guess around when the trial started, that's when you wanted to do it. No, kind of, no, it was really early on, like a few. Hmm. Um, our first shoot was the. Um, was the first court appearance uh, that Gerald Stanley had in late August. Yeah. Is it is it different telling uh, this story uh, of your cousin 
in a documentary as opposed to talking to reporters? Uh, yes, because with the documentary, there's there's visuals of of it happening, and at times it catches a perspective or it shows something that I didn't necessarily I wasn't aware of. Because at that time, you know, just heavy with grief, and and so looking back and being able to watch the film, there's things that took place that I may not have seen at the time, just because I was focusing on something else in that very moment. So it actually provides a, a even more insight for me as to what was taking place. The doc tells the story of Treaty Six and the Cree uprising during the Northwest Rebellion in the late 1800s. Um, I would say the Cree resistance. Excuse me, the, Cree <laughs> the resistance. Northwest resistance. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, how important is understanding that history, though, to uh, to what's going on right now in society? Well, you know, I think that's just it. Is is Canadians in general have been taught a certain perspective on those events that to see what happened during 1885 as a rebellion against the state when in fact it was indigenous resistance against oppression mm-hmm. right and so that framing doesn't get shown it doesn't get taught and and that's a real you know it, it's uh it's a large part of why we are where we are today and so you know i i think that for me i wanted you know to ha- bring in that history it's it's so rich and deep and it deserves its own project and and hopefully someday an indigenous filmmaker can tell that story um you know but for the purposes of the film i just i wanted to weave that in to sh- to say you know what's the colonial violence that indigenous people are experiencing today is really rooted in the colonial violence that Indigenous people experienced then. You know, Indigenous people, you know, were not, you know, the original oppressors in these situations, right? If there's resistance, it's because of injustice. It's because of, you know, the starvation policies, Hmm. you know. I, I that was one of the big moments for me when I being an adoptee and coming back to my birth family and realizing that I am te- the ten percent of Indigenous peoples who who survived. Ninety percent of Indigenous peoples in North America were wiped out through mm. pr- purposeful genocidal means. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the starvation policies of the Canadian government are absolutely part of that. And you know, it may it just it tears me up to think about how many of our people were lost to those policies, how much wretchedness and hurt and pain was caused, you know, in order to push us off our own land, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I hope I do want people, it's a hard history for people, especially if they've never learned it. Mm -hmm. And what they've learned has been put through that colonial frame. But I think it's absolutely necessary. Does that resistance um, continue to this day? Well, I, you know, I think that Yes, and, and but in different ways. I mean, resistance is us telling our own stories. Resistance is, you know, uh, people, will, you know, continuing to go out and trap on their own trap lines and coming into conflict with resource extraction. You know, resistance is teaching our children our languages. You know, it's it, it shouldn't even be resistance. We should just be able to just live, right? But because of the way that our country is, it... It, it sometimes I guess takes that takes that, but I think ultimately it's just us trying to live the lives that we're meant to live and and coming into obstacles to that. They've lost the loved one, and they are getting hate mail. 
And that's, you know, I mean, let's just say that's not right. I mean, that's, that's a pretty easy thing to say. That's not right for these people to get hate mail. We talk about unity. We talk about reconciliation. What are you going to do? As human beings, as, as people within your position even, what is your answer to this going on in Saskatchewan? Uh, Jade, we're, I guess, a year out of, of uh, the events of the documentary. Uh, you've met with Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, um, Premier of Saskatchewan, other political leaders. You've addressed the United Nations. Has anything kind of come out of these meetings that, that give you any hope? Hope? I don't know if that would be... Uh the correct word I would use, but we continue to advance our calls to action, and that's bringing in a special rapporteur from the United Nations to conduct an external external investigation. Uh, we're calling on a royal commission on the federal government to look into the systemic racism with the can- within Canada's legal system. Like we continue to make these calls to action, and so those meetings were the initial, the onset of us vocalizing our experiences. But in terms of those calls to action, we're still pushing for them. So. We're still advocating and having to to meet and to hopefully get things going as soon as possible. So. Um, and if you can't, I guess, get justice through the legal system, how do you get it? <laughs> well, I think that the legal, I think there's an assumption that the legal system means justice. I think that's what we Canadians are taught is that you know, it's a justice system, whereas, you know, Indigenous people, people of color, you know, we know differently, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's a legal system designed around property. You know, it's it's not meant to, you know, create a space of true justice, which is respect, mutual respect, you know, mutual, you know, livelihood, all of those things. So, you know, I think it, it um, you know, a lot of people are looking at our own, what is our own systems of justice and respect, um, you know, because it is tough. And I guess when we work towards making changes in the legal system, it's almost like a harm reduction, right? Mm. What's the best, what's the way that we can, you know, so that people are not traumatized by their experiences? What's, what's you know, but it's tough. It's tough when the system itself is designed, is flawed mm-hmm. and, and um you know, I think that that's a tough thing for people to to understand. What do you hope, I guess, a documentary will do in terms of, um, I don't know, creating a, a dialogue yeah. or getting changes to the to the system? I mean, it's it's one tool. It's one tool in in a lot of different you know ways that people are working. You know, both within and outside of what what the current systems are, right? And so, for the documentary, it it really is an awareness because I realize, and many of us realize, that non-indigenous people aren't aware of these things. And and I think sometimes that's willful, and people want to stay that way. And I think we're seeing that in the rise of intolerance and hate. And you know, there's a study that's coming out of Alberta and the rise of hate, you know, hate groups. But I think that's not just Alberta. I think that's across our country. I I don't really concern myself. Like I'm concerned about it, mm-hmm. but I think my film is speaking to Canadians who um, aren't there yet, and but ha- also haven't learned our our history. And and I'm hoping that you know 
by telling our story, telling our stories as Indigenous people, but specifically the family telling their story, um, you know, that it, it does bring uh, a will for change, because I think that's that's what it's going to take. And Indigenous people for a lot of years have been fighting on our own, you know, with 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 you know a small group of supporters and allies and what we're we're hoping is you know that that people join in that that push to, to say this isn't right it's pretty simple it's just not right i recommend that the special rapporteur and the expert mechanism undertake a study on the systemic racism and discrimination against indigenous people within the judicial and legal systems in canada this study must produce recommendations to ensure the protection of indigenous families who utilize the judicial and the legal systems. This will advance our calls on the Canadian government to establish a royal commission on the elimination of racism in the justice system. Only a royal commission has the authority to compel all involved in this miscarriage of justice. Something um, the federal government could do that you would, you could look at that and say that's, that's a sign of, of progress. They can answer our calls to action and actually put them in place. So once again, that royal commission, um, that royal commission is an internal investigation in and of itself. But having a special rapporteur, an external organization, come in and conduct an investigation, I think then shows that they're able to cooperate and be and are open to having a thorough investigation done and open to recommendations following that. So. To me, the federal government could follow through with the calls to action that my family and I are advancing. And and I mean those are those calls to action are are, you know, part of a of a continuum of requests that and and studies and you know, this this has this isn't new. This is this is, you know, and, and it's tragic because if if the Canadian government had taken steps you know, 30 years ago, you know, when RCAP came out with the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, if they'd listened to the the study that Justice Marie Sinclair did in Manitoba, I mean, you know, this may not have happened. And, and so, you know, th- there's a lot of people that are doing good work. It's just whether they're listened to, how they're met once they get, you know, if they're, if they're working within the legal system, how are they met by the Justice Department? How are they met, you know, by the federal government. And, um, you know, we see a lot of litigation, we see a lot of pushback. So, I mean, that it just comes down to a choice. So you talked before about having, I guess, uncomfortable conversations uh, with non-Indigenous uh, Canadians. And there is a scene in the film uh, where your grandfather um, is having a conversation with yourself and your son. Um, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about that scene and, and what, what happened in there. Yeah, so my grandpa is a kind man and um, who has always been there for my son and I. And, you know, but we'd had a couple of conversations because, like, you know, the vast majority of Canadians, he's learned a certain set of knowledge and a certain, um, you know, understanding. And, you know... uh, and so we had had conversations of how we looked at it from our perspective. And and so, you know, he had told me once that his biggest regret was, was breaking that land that he broke where he found the artifacts. And and so I asked him, you know, would you be willing to talk about that? And he had told me also that he was going to give those stones to my son and I. So I said, can we talk about, 
Can we do that on camera? Can we talk about that land? And can we talk about why I'm making the film? You know, and he he knew why we had talked about it. And so I guess the reason I wanted to do that was exactly that, like to show that it can happen, that you can disagree, that there's knowledge to be shared, and that you can you can gently challenge those ideas and attitudes within your family systems. And I think too often, you know, I, I would I would ask listeners to think about how many, you know, think back to a dinner conversation that they've had with their family where somebody has said something racist um, or said something that was, you know, not true or said something that, you know, um, you know, that showed uh, only a certain frame of knowledge. How often do people say something in that, in that time? And, you know, I think that I understand it's difficult. I still have difficulty bringing things up, you know, and, and, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't quite that way because I didn't know what my grandpa was going to say, you know, we were just going to talk about it. And I really wanted him to talk about the land and, and then it just went in its own direction. And, you know, my son showed that, you know, that you can just say, it's not okay for this to happen, you know, and my grandpa is a wise man and he knew my son was right. You're right. That's that's not the answer, you know. But that's what's out on social media in the prairies. That you know, according to some commentators, according to people who post, right? It's okay to do that, and and that is a very frightful place if that's where we're heading. Well, uh, Tasha and Jade, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Yes. And that's the podcast. Nipusta Masawin, We Will Stand Up, will hit theaters this week, including a full month of screening dates at the Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto. Check your local theater for screen times. We've got a great season lined up, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Tune in next week for an incredible interview I had with international artist and activist Ai Weiwei about his new doc, The Rest. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and better yet, tell a friend. If you want to get in touch, you can write us at ondocs at tvo.org, or follow me on Twitter at ColinLS81. Thanks to producers Chantal Berganza and Matthew O'Mara and production support coordinators Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell. Our podcast manager is Hannah Sung. We will see you at the next screening. <laughs>